0: You are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. Well, we are in the book of Ephesians. We're going to the first chapter. And um, one of the things that I love about the book of Ephesians is how it personally can strengthen your identity in Christ. And I want to talk about our position of security in Christ today. We're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter today. I love the book of Ephesians, so we're going to read the whole chapter. Something happens when we read the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms." What a glorious chapter that is. The rock badger hides in the crags in the rock. and uh, They're grayish in color, and they blend well with the rocks. And when a predator comes to attack, they will run into a hole, the crag in the rock. The vulture or eagle must sweep down on them before they actually get into the rocks. The badgers know where their security lies. If they decide to go off to the field or forest, venturing away from the rock, then it is vulnerable. It doesn't matter how courageous they are. It doesn't matter how strong or fast they can run. The most courageous badgers can fall victim to the smallest wolf or lion. When it wanders away from the rock, a badger is dead meat. When you wander away from the rock, rock, you are dead meat. Amen? Well, you're like, no, I can carry this one on my own. No, you can't. No, you can't. If you have the wisdom of a badger, you'll know where your security is. The rock of Jesus Christ. Each believer's position is secure in Christ. And Christ's salvation. And Paul opens the first chapter of Ephesians with a glorious anthem of praise for all the blessings that we have received in and through Christ Jesus. And as we search the Word of God, we discover more and more of the riches we have in Christ. All of us who are believers understand we have those riches in Jesus Christ, but often it's God who has to remind believers that they have riches in Jesus Christ. These riches were planned by the Father, purchased by the Son, and presented by the Holy Spirit. There, there is no need for us to live in spiritual poverty when all of God's blessings, His privileges, and riches are at our disposal. Our position of security in Christ is possible by our acceptance of of his saving work within our lives. And i like to focus our attention this morning on the truth that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit perform distinct roles, but they work together in perfect harmony and, in, in, and agreement to affirm each believer's position of security in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Godhead is never independent of one another, but always working together in harmony to assure our position is secure in Christ. And in order for us to understand our security, we need to understand what all three of the Godhead accomplish in keeping us positioned within our security in Christ. First, we see in verses 3 to 6. I'm going to be concentrating on verses 3 to 14 this morning. But um, so we're going to go back to 3 and look to verses 6. First, the work of the Father in accomplishing our salvation. You're like, why are we hearing about salvation? I'm already saved. Well, oh, happy day for you. Because it's good to understand that your security in Christ doesn't stand alone, it stands within his salvation. And we are called to work out our salvation. Just because you're saved, you still still need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to be mindful of working out your salvation. Yes, it's a done deal in the sense that you are born again. Yes, you are going to heaven. But many people don't live lives that look like they're secure in their position within Jesus Christ. And so the Father comes, and he shares that these blessings that he has granted us, that they encompass the resources given to us in the heavenly realms. And that's important to understand. We think because we live on earth that things are done in the in the earthly time zone where God's blessings flow from the heavenly realms, and which make them very different than the blessings we receive from one another. Though the ones that we receive from one another are actually encouraged and affirmed by God, the ones in the heavenly realms are based on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the heavenly realms is where great enemies... And where great hosts of angels are sent by God to your own defense, and so in the heavenly realms, there's warfare going on at all times. And the blessing of God's hand is the deliverance we receive through the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And so, because we receive that salvation, it cuts off the enemy. It cuts off the enemy's ability. affect us in the way he wishes. And that's why the angelic hosts are always warring on our behalf, as well as Christ himself, as he intercedes at the right hand of the Father. It's also in the heavenly realms, and that's mentioned, the word heavenly realms is mentioned six times in the book of Ephesians. So God is really wanting us to understand that he purposed specific things to happen that we in the natural ability to think through do not always understand, and we need the revelation of God. And uh, and God's word and his gifts are available through the heavenly realms. We learn in verse 4 that God has chosen us in Christ. We, we understand that, but... That is really important to actually think about and understand that the, church, uh, the choosing uh, that God's referring to is based on a gracious choice. And that gracious choice was for all mankind. It was for a group of all mankind, not specific groups of people, but mankind in general. It, it was. It was for all of us to experience salvation through the gospel message and the personal ministry of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the local church that represents Jesus Christ. And so God longs for people to be chosen in him. And Ephesians is not to actually segregate people. It's not to isolate those who are far from God. It's it's actually not saying or suggesting that some people are chosen and elected and others are not. That's not what this is saying. It also is not saying that some people are predestined and meant to be saved and others are not meant to be saved. That is not what it's saying. What it's saying is actually found in 2nd Peter verse uh, chapter 3 verse 9 where it says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone what everyone to come to repentance now in our natural way of thinking and our natural way of understanding when we see specific sins when we witness specific sins, when we interact with specific sins, we say, there is no hope for that person. That is not true. God does not segregate different types of sins to eliminate people from receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He invites all sin to come into repentance and receive forgiveness. Amen? And you're saying, well, I understand that because I'm saved. But how you understand that will actually allow you to minister to others who are not saved. That's what Paul's after here. Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so there is a... a, a, God is saying here that you need to come into his presence. You need to acknowledge how essential it is for you. To receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, how essential it is for you to understand the cross, the purpose of the cross, what the cross accomplished for you as an individual believer, because these are believers, Gentile believers. Ephesus was a Gentile church, and so he's dealing with Gentiles. And so this is new to them. This is a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of understanding the salvation of the Lord. And and Paul wants to remind them that, yes, your iniquities can separate you from God, but if you deal with your iniquities, if you ask for forgiveness for your iniquities, it opens up what? The heavenly realms and resolves the mystery that you have had regarding the message of Christ's salvation plan. It all works together. And God's reminding the Ephesians that their salvation began with him, not just with, human, uh, with, with mankind. And, and John 15, 16 really confirms this. And it says, You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God chose us for a purpose to be holy and blameless before him. And we see that in those verses. Pastor Wayne Cordiero wrote a book called Leading on Empty, which I've read and It's a wonderful book. And he writes about his daughter, and she was adopted when she was only three years old. And Abby was the apple of his eye. And uh, she compromised her faith and morality. And she began to make choices that expelled her from col- college and for two years was searching for her identity, struggling with why both her mother and father didn't want her. And her adopted parents continued to pray, to call, to email... To write, but they never received any responses from Abby. But they persisted. They were determined never to give up on her because she was their chosen daughter. She was the delight of their heart. Abby wrote them one day I know now that God may not have had me born in your family, but I am now convinced that he has had me born into his family. She said, "I'm coming home." We've talked several on several occasions of the how essential it is to pray for those who are prodigal sons and daughters. We've prayed about people that we love and know who are so Far from God and yet desperate for a need of a touch from him. And through God, though God predestined each person to receive Christ, we have a will. God gave us a will. And we're responsible for our decisions. And I want to encourage you to pray for those who make wrong choices. I want to encourage you not to be intimidated by those wrong choices. I want to encourage you to ask God to change your thinking based upon where they're living, what they're doing, how they're living their life, and what sin they're currently wrapped up in, in bondage to, and how the enemy has his grip on their lives. I want you to stand in faith, say that person is to be chosen for the kingdom of God. God predestined them as a son and daughter, and I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you will go through the salvation of your Lord the Lord Jesus Christ, and by your grace, you would save their soul, or you would bring them back into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I'm asking you to pray for that this week. I don't want this just to be another sermon. I'm saying, folks, we need to be busy and about the Lord's business, praying that all may come into the glorious uh, touch of the grace of God and the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ through the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I remember the night that I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My sister lied to me. She, was, she said, I, I want you to come to this banquet and there's great food, great dancing, and lots of singing. Because I was a showman and in the entertainment business, I thought this could be a great party. So I went only to find out that it was the full gospel businessman's Christmas banquet. And that night I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ because I heard the gospel and I heard the call of God to my own heart. And I was deep into sin. And I needed a Savior to forgive me for my sin. And I confessed it that night, and I was so convinced that I needed Christ and whatever was going on at the table I was sitting at because they were all praying in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even, I I just thought, what are they, what language are they praying? And I didn't understand what all was about. And uh, I'm like, and I just said to the people at the table, you you might as well just stop praying for me because I ain't getting, whatever, I'm not going forward. The guest speaker said he stopped the service Gordon Williams from 100 Hutley Street was the guest speaker. He said, I'm stopping the service because somebody here is resisting the truth and God wants you saved tonight. I was out of that chair so quick. (laughs) Somebody came to pray for me and he didn't even know what he was praying. And he just left down. I just stood there stubborn and rebellious as I could be. And I'm standing there and... The guest speaker comes, and he said, what's, what's, what's wrong, young man? I said, you see that guy down there? He doesn't even know how to pray. And he just looked at me and said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And he said, well, what would you like? I said, listen, if I'm going to do what you're just talking about, what your testimony was about, and I'm going to live for Jesus, I need it all, or I won't make it. I knew it. I knew it. And here I am 39 years later. Come on, folks. Come on. Come on. That's what he's doing for you in the heavens. That's what he's doing for you. That's what he's doing for you. And that's what he does for every person who acknowledges that God ushered in the gift of His salvation for their lives. that they are the fact that I know today I'm chosen. Woo! Hot diggity-dog. It's awesome. No, listen. When you're one of nine children, you often don't feel like you belong. You're just one of many. Well, when you get saved, and you receive Christ, and you're chosen. I mean, you're chosen. He even told you that. He even told you, wait a second, I wanted to adopt you as my own. I'm like, that's cool. Huh! All right. I did that. I want that. And it's taken all these years to learn to become a son. How about you? Still working at it, right? Still working at it. And he just saying to you this morning, I gave you a precious, precious gift. It's called my son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the heavenly realms he's talking about. It's an eternal perspective for where we're going to celebrate the remainder of our being in God. In Christ, in the Holy Spirit. It's so rich. We see not only God at work, we see the second, the work of God, uh, Christ's blood, his blood sacrifice on our behalf, and that paid the penalty. The penalty for sin was death. The penalty for sin was judgment. The penalty for sin was God's wrath. The penalty for sin is hell. That's where I was going before I accepted Christ, was hell. And I was actually set up for God's judgment, and instead, he extended love, acceptance, forgiveness. Christ's redemption purchased people from the domain of sin, the domain of evil, the domain of wickedness, the domain of worldliness, the domain of death and the wrath of God through his sacrifice on the precious cross. Through his death, Jesus paid the price to release us from the slavery of sin. He's saying that when, that he has come, that we can be free. Whom the Son sets free, they are what? Free. No, they're not, they're in bondage, right? No, they're free indeed. He's like, yo, you're free. The cross made you free. The precious blood, it costs my son his life. That cost is a gift to you. And that blood cleanses you, washes you as white as snow. And I don't remember, oh, wait, what, what, what? I don't remember that from the past because I forgave you for that. We spend more time living in the past memories, living in the past hurts, living in the dysfunction of relationships from the past than we do launching into underneath the precious blood of Christ where we are free, we're cleansed, we're righteous, we're holy, we're blameless, and we stand in God's sight totally redeemed. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're like, Pastor, you preach this all the time. Good, I'm going to preach it again. Because it's exciting. This is where I love Jesus, this next point. You see, I love the forgiveness he gives us every single day. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for all our unrighteousness. Matt, can I tell you, every morning, I have to do business. This dude, at times, is rowdy. And often in the flesh. And getting myself into trouble, and when I spend time with Jesus in the morning, I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things that are not pleasing in his sight. And some things, uh, that new wine, right? He says, if you want that new wine, you got to get rid of this old stuff here. you got to get rid of this, what? This old nature, this flesh, these these desires that actually do not even represent the word of God. And I just do business with God. It's such a beautiful gift. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Whew. Meaning every day there is a choice for godliness or for evil. For anyone sitting in this room. As believers, those things are accessible, we get to choose. We are forgiving on the basis of, his, of the shedding of his blood, By faith, sinners are forgiven. Forgiveness through redemption is always a tender reminder of how Christ's blood, what did it do? It just didn't. It broke the power of sin in our lives. It canceled that sin in our lives. And so we need a fresh washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's willing to do that when we pray for that. And God canceled the debt. I owed him something for that sin that I could not pay. And Christ knew we couldn't pay for it. It had been tried through the law and it couldn't be done. Amen? So it wasn't like there wasn't a a method before, but God had watched that method and from the creation and the beginning of creation, God's salvation plan was already in design. He knew what, mankind would, what would, mankind would require. There was this African woman who gave her heart to Christ. Her husband was the chief of a, of a Zulu tribe. And when she told him what she had done to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior, the chief beat her brutally. And as she was lying on the floor bleeding, the chief mocked her and said, Now, what can your Jesus do for you? And the woman picked up herself and tearfully said, he can help me to forgive you. You see, the second work of Christ's blood, sacrifice on behalf, paid the penalty for our sins. And he didn't just forgive us, but he gave us the gift to forgive others. Because he knew the greatest place of darkness in a person's soul was unforgiveness. Anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment, judgment, criticalness. He knew the capacity mankind had in their hearts. And so David declares, create in me a clean Oh, God, renew unto me the joy of my salvation. Where's that joy come from? Forgiving others, receiving forgiveness for myself. And so we, we see how significant that was for this woman who said, he can help me to forgive you. Who is somebody you need to forgive. Maybe you're currently battling inside and you're so caught up in that relationship, that disagreement, wanting your way, being stubborn in heart. You're meant to celebrate the joy of salvation and that relationship is dragging you down. That situation is Dragging you down. And God's saying, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. No longer to be subject by any yoke of slavery. Choosing unforgiveness is slavery back to sin. Choosing unforgiveness is choosing slavery back to sin. And the bondage of that sin. You notice here in these verses as he's talking that he's talking about the mystery, right? He he begins to unfold the mystery of God, and um, he talks about that. I'm trying to find out where that verse is here. Just hold on. Be patient with me. The mystery of God. Well, it's in here. I'm sorry. I can't find it here right now. But it talks about the mystery uh, of God in verses 9 to 10, actually. And um, when he's talking about that word, m- the mysteries of God, he's not talking about it's a secret that God withholds information to. It's talking about uh, God actually uh, preparing salvation for mankind, and the mystery of how he's going to release that salvation plan into each person's life. And he reveals his salvation to us, and the mystery is, does our will, does our will respond to the message of salvation? And will we respond to the mystery of something we've not yet understood or experienced? That was interesting to me as I was studying that, and so um, there's no secrets in God's will to provide salvation for mankind. He wants to make it known to us and wants it to be understood so that each person can participate in it. And he may, oh, in verse nine, and he may know unto us what the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. I knew I'd find it. <laughs> there it is. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Um, I want to just encourage you that God takes great delight to reveal his plans to bring people back to him. And that's the joy of being a believer because you may be a part of that person resolving that mystery in their own life of God's plan for salvation. God may be using and preparing you to be a part of that story Or or, or of that person's testimony. You could probably, each one of you, share somebody you prayed for, somebody you ministered to, somebody you served, somebody you worked alongside, somebody who's a relative. You could share story after story of how you are actually in that person's (laughs) salvation story today. I don't know if that, that should bring you great joy. That brings me great joy when I hear that I'm a part of somebody else's story. Uh, And it's God's intention to fully reveal his love and release his grace and not keep it concealed. God invites us daily to experience the joy of his salvation and the joy of his forgiveness. Moving along into verses 13 and 14, the third aspect of the the Godhead working together to release the plan of salvation for, for mankind. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit who seals and guarantees our spiritual inheritance. Once we are born again, we've received all the riches, all the privileges as an heir of God, All the promises from the Old Testament to the New, they become ours as sons and daughters in the faith. And the Holy Spirit is God's seal that we belong to Him and His deposit, guaranteeing that He will do what He promised through our salvation in Jesus Christ. He seals us, assuring that we uh, remain in His family and that we do not lose our inheritance. He doesn't want us to lose the blessing he has for us. I remember when uh, Greta used to make uh, preservatives, jams, in the earlier days of our marriage, uh, because she would use this technique, and I would watch her actually pour wax over the preservatives, uh, over the jam, over the top, until it actually got to the brim of the jar, and and it would and there was a a method she would know that it was sealed it was just and she could put that as It was sealed in in the basement in a cupboard and it could stay there for years and you could pull that up and You know bang that wax and it pop and it tastes pretty delicious, right? and I remember that and uh, and so That was a picture to me of how the Holy Spirit actually seals us. That what's done, it's like he puts on us. No, you are chosen. You are predestined. You are heirs of Jesus Christ. I'm putting my stamp on you through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to work out your salvation with you. And he's going to teach you how to walk in the glorious riches of our Lord Jesus Christ that are in this chapter. And Paul wrote to us that after listening to the message of truth, the good news of our salvation, having also believed that we are sealed in him, You're sealed in Jesus Christ. You're sealed by the precious blood. You're sealed by the truth of Jesus Christ. You're sealed by the sanctifying work he did on the cross, the redemptive work he did on the cross. It's a seal, a done deal through the Holy Spirit and a seal of God's ownership I love that. We're marked by God. We're owned by God. We're his own. He's saying, wait a second. My stamp is on your life. I want you to behave like you belong to me. I want you to live like you belong to me. My seal of ownership is placed on your life. And no power in heaven or earth will break that seal. I like that. At the time of these three sections, at the end of these three sections, you'll notice that in the end of each of these sections, there's a phrase. And the phrase is, to the praise of His glory. It appears in verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. And that's because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit They are performing these distinct roles, but they work together in perfect harmony and agreement to affirm and strengthen your security in Christ as a believer. And so there's three questions I have. Why has God the Father chosen you, adopted you, or given you his inheritance? To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 6. Why has God the Son redeemed you, Forgiven you, revealed God's will to you, and made you a part of God's inheritance? Verse 12, that you might be for the praise of his glory. And why has God, the Holy Spirit, sealed you and become the guarantee of your future blessings? To the praise of God's glory. Verse 14. You see, we're saved not just to have a good life, we're saved to bring glory unto our Heavenly Father. Amen? That's the bigger vision of our salvation. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we understand, Lord God, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That when we, when we choose to forgive you, We're going our own willful way. And you're asking us to make a different choice today. And Father, we have tried in many ways to bridge the gap between ourselves and you. You said there's a way that seems right to us as people, but in the end it leads to our death. And Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and you paid the penalty for our sin And you wanted to bridge that gap between our Heavenly Father and ourselves. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, I, I pray that we will trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that, Father, those who need to receive him will do so by a personal invitation, Lord God. Lord, I thank you today, right now, as I have been sharing the the message, the gospel message, that you're standing at somebody's door right now and you're knocking. And you say that if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I'm going to come in, I'm going to eat with them and them with me. Father, you give us a gift when you say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You will be saved. Lord, we come to you in our hour of need. We come, Lord, and we're willing to turn from our sins. We come, Lord, and believe that Jesus died for us on the cross and rose from the grave. And Lord, we're saying that we need to invite you into every aspect of our lives. Oh God, we want to experience the joy of your salvation, and we need you to control our lives. your Holy Spirit. We need you to be our Lord and Savior. If you're here and you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you right now to slip up your hand, and I want to pray for you today. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to join with me and join these people who just lifted their hands in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask you for your forgiveness. I believed you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins today and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I'm making a choice to trust And follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.